Ah, yeah, it's another edition of the IdahoSports.com PrepCast presented by Steve's hometown Toyota, Brandon Bainey, your host, and we're going to dive right into it. No time for pleasantries here because we have a jam-packed edition of the PrepCast today. Capital High track and field coach Brian Stiff coming up, as well as South Fremont baseball coach Chad Hill. It's going to be a lot of fun, so be sure to stay tuned for all of that. Real quick, want to let you know it is postseason time in our spring sports calendar, and at IdahoSports.com, we've got you covered with all of the baseball and softball district tournament brackets. That's right, every single district from 5A all the way through 1A, all the district brackets for baseball and softball, all in one nice, neat little place for you as we really start ramping up postseason play here at the tail end of the weekend into next week as well. Friendly reminder, after districts, of course, come state. And IdahoSports.com will once again be broadcasting every single pitch of the Idaho High School State Baseball Championships. From 5A again, all the way down to 1A, we've got you covered so you can watch your favorite team. That's right, video, streaming, live, and free, all at IdahoSports.com. Our weekly honor roll continues to flourish. We uh, highlight the top spring sports performers each Monday morning from the previous week of action. Tennis, golf, softball, baseball, track and field, all in one place. We love your nominations. We've been getting a ton in through the email. And again, if you have an athlete that you want to nominate for our honor roll where we highlight the best athletic performances, send me an email, brandon at idahosports.com. All right, without further ado, let's dive into it. Up first, we're going to talk to South Fremont baseball coach Chad Hill. His team was competing for a district championship earlier this week, and we caught up with Coach Hill ahead of his championship series against Sugar Salem. Joined now on the IdahoSports.com PrepCast by Chad Hill, baseball coach at South Fremont High. 17-5 and South Fremont is this season, but like coaches say, none of that really matters because the only thing that matters is the postseason and you are getting ready for your district tournament uh, debut against Sugar Salem in a best of three game series. Thanks for joining us, Coach Hill. How excited are you to be into the postseason now? Yeah, postseason is always an exciting time of year. You know, uh, stakes get kicked up a little bit, means a little bit more. So it's a little more pressure there and uh, hopefully we've got our kids prepared and, and ready to go and confident and hopefully we go out and have a good run here down the stretch. I guess my opening statement was probably a little harsh. You guys did have a very nice regular season, 17 and five, the third ranked team in the coaches poll. What worked well for your guys this year? You know, our, our pitching staff has been solid all year. You know, we've thrown a lot of strikes. We haven't given up a lot of walks and I think that's, that's key in, in all of baseball, but I think especially in our, 3A, 2A, you get down into those lower ranks. And I think walks are kind of the things that kill you the most. And so our pitching has been good, but our defense has been really solid behind them as well. And then offense, we've scored runs when we've had to. We've had quite a few close games. and uh, But I think our pitching and defense has kind of been the key this year. Okay, so you mentioned the defense. I was going to ask, when you're throwing in the strike zone a lot, you're either A, getting strikeouts, or B, pitching to contact. And so if you're doing that second thing, you need to have a good, solid defense behind you. Um, defensively, it sounds like your team has been pretty solid this year. Yeah, we have. I think uh, we're really solid up the middle. Our center field, uh, Easton Curbs, has been playing great. He gets a lot of reads on balls and and makes a lot of difficult plays look pretty routine. Uh, he's done a great job in center field. And then shortstop's been Cayman Peebles uh, pretty much all year. And then second base has been Carter Yancey and Bridger Erickson kind of rotate there when they're not pitching. And 
And so we've been really solid up the middle and then also catching Cooper Crapo has kind of been our catcher. And, you know, we don't give up a lot of pass balls and, and make teams earn bases. And, and so I think defensively, we, you know, we've just been solid that way without giving free bases. We haven't given up a lot of stolen bases, uh, just off of errors, things like that. You know, it's always, always good when you got to make teams earn every base they get. So I think we've done a good job with that this year. I love it. Good, solid, fundamental baseball. What was the state of your program heading into this year? Because you had lost all of last year because of COVID-19. Well, almost all of last year because of COVID-19. What, what was the state of your program when you, when you started the year? Uh, you know, we were pretty confident. We did graduate a lot of guys last year that, that had played a lot of baseball. And, and, you know, so we graduated a lot of kids, but we did, we were able to play some summer ball. We play Legion and we were able to uh, compete there. So we had a lot of these same kids were on that summer ball team. So we kind of knew where we were going to be at. Um, our pitching depth hasn't been as deep as it has been in the past. Um, but, you know, we've, we've had a bunch of kids step up and we've asked them to pitch and they've been able to pound the strike zone and, and fill the strike zone up, you know. And so we've been pretty, pretty excited that way with our pitching. And then defensively, we've just been solid all year. We've been pretty stingy giving up runs. And so with with summer ball, we kind of knew where we were going to be. But I think our kids have have kind of bought in and, and worked pretty hard to get to where we're at right now. And I think we're playing pretty good ball right now. So, yeah, so we've, we're excited about this season. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your pitching staff, because this time of year, almost every single team has at least one stud or maybe two guys. But if you want to have a lot of success, you've got to go to that third, fourth and even sometimes that fifth guy. What? How, how big is your pitching staff? Yeah, for sure. So we've got at the top of our staff is probably Car or excuse me, Bridger Erickson has been just dominant this year and he's kind of been that ace guy for us and and has had a good year. And then right below him we've we've got Carter Yancey. Those two are both seniors. And then after that we we've been able to get some good games out of a, a bunch of different guys. Easton Curbs is throwing a good game here and Bryson Forbush is throwing a good game. We've got Cayman Peebles that can throw for us as well. Um, so we've got a bunch of guys uh, that haven't started a ton of games, but they've came in and given us some quality innings. So, so we're confident when, when those guys get on the mound as well that they can continue to get outs and, and give us a chance to compete in ball games. So the nice thing is, is you've had a great regular season, 17 and five, as we said. The, the bad part is, is now you get into districts and it's, it's a three team district. And now with Sugar Salem eliminating Teton, it comes down to you guys and the Diggers. And I don't think the South Fremont fans would have it any other way. But um, with that said, you know, all it takes is is a game or two. I mean, the, the margins are very thin here, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, we have changed kind of our setup. We are doing a, a best of three series. Um, and I like that setup. You know, it's not just one game. You have one bad game. They've got to beat you twice. And uh, I think, I like that better. I think that kind of gets the better team in and gives a better team a better chance of, of being that first seed. So it's not just one game. You you play a bad game here and your whole season's done. So I like the setup, but but it is. It's still a lot of pressure. You know, it's you've got to come out and you've got to win two games and and you know Sugar's gonna come and be confident and play well. Um, they've had a good season as well and they're playing pretty well right now. Um, so we're gonna have to come out and play well and, and be confident and come up with some timely hits and drive some runs in and hopefully give our pitchers a little chance to relax a little and have some confidence behind them as well, knowing that 
offense is going to score some runs for them too. So. Yeah, so you mentioned in years past it had been sort of a, a bracket-style type of setup with, with uh, the league that you're in. This year with three teams, you went to uh, an opening round best-of-three-game series between Teton and Sugar Salem. You were the regular season champs, and you got the bye, which uh, meant that while Sugar Salem was playing two games on Monday, you guys were going to be sitting back and not really getting any reps or anything, but you you were able to fill in the schedule very late at the start of the week. Tell us a little bit about this uh, last minute regular season doubleheader you got scheduled. Yeah, I thought that was was key for us. You know, our, our last regular season game was going to be last Tuesday. So we were going to sit for a little over a week before we were able to play our, our district games. And so uh, we had talked to Bonneville earlier. We knew they were looking for some games and we just couldn't get anything to match up and, then once we knew we were the one seed, I, I got a hold of them again, and and they had an opening that they could play on Monday, and so we were able to get two games with Bonneville and at least get some live at bats and, and see some ground balls and pop flies off the bat, and our pitchers were able to get a little bit of work in, kind of a live bullpen session, so that was good that uh, we got a little bit of on-field time against another quality squad and kind of help us get tuned in for Friday, so actually Thursday now. So. Right. Yeah. Bonneville's no slouch in the 4A ranks and you guys, you guys showed up and showed out against them. So yeah, you mentioned uh, originally this best of three game series against sugar was supposed to be on Friday, but it's now been moved to Thursday tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, why was the changed? Because of weather? Yeah, we just saw it's supposed to be a pretty good windstorm coming through on Friday and so the weather was supposed to be about 80 degrees on Thursday and minimal wind. So we all decided Thursday would be a better day to try to play it. So we moved it to Thursday instead of try to play in the wind on Friday. Now, I know I'm confident you guys are going to take care of business on Thursday, <laughs> but there is that third game if necessary on, on the 5% chance that happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, is that still scheduled for Saturday? Yeah, I think we're going to leave that one as Saturday with the weather to be bad on Friday. I think we'll try to bump that one to Saturday still and, and leave it as Saturday. So, yeah. So you you uh, you were able to beat Sugar Salem twice already in the regular season. You went undefeated in conference play. Um, what do you know about the Stiggers team? What do they do well? I mean, it was it was two games, uh, eight nothing, and then five to four. The second game was pretty close with the Diggers. What do you know about this team? You know, they're, they're very confident, you know, and as we played them, I thought they got more confident, but they, they hit the ball well. They all put the ball in play. They don't strike out a lot. Uh, the top of their lineup uh, hits the ball very well. They got, I think they got about three Harris kids, but Ryan Harris at the top of their lineup hits the ball a ton. And then uh, I think it's uh, Tanner Olson uh, hit a home run off of us, and that kind of gave them some confidence. So I know they're going to come in confident. Uh, we didn't see really probably their ace in Kaizen Gardner. He had a blister on his finger, and he was going to start the first game and then wasn't able to. So we haven't seen their their best pitching uh, per se. So um, they're going to be confident behind Kaizen, and we're going to have to come out and, and be ready to, to go offensively because he is. He's a good pitcher, and then they're just solid you know, like I said, in their lineup, defensively, they're solid. They don't make a lot of errors, so you're going to have to earn your runs against them. So I expect some close games. I think it's going to be a battle to to kind of come out on top of that one. So we're excited about it. Yeah, Sugar Salem, if you just look at the record, you know, they're right around 500 or just a little bit above it. But they've, they've had a very um, interesting season, a lot of close games that just have gone 
the opponent's way. When you look at the 3A baseball landscape in general, I mentioned you were the third-ranked team in the coaches' poll. Um, do you do you size up your team compared to some of the other 3A teams around the state, or are you just worried about the district? You know, we, we do. We compare ourselves with other teams. We've played Marsh Valley, and I think they're uh, obviously the team to beat. You know, they're – they're impressive. They've they've got a solid lineup. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, probably the best lineup maybe in this whole side of the state. You know, five A through four A. You know, included they do. They have a, a great lineup, pitching staff. They've got two studs at the top, and uh, they are defensively don't make any mistakes. So got a good catcher. Um, so they're obviously the, the kind of the team to beat. But I think we. We showed right at the first of the year we lost to them two to one in extra innings. And so I think we're right there with them. Uh, we haven't seen Kimberly or Fruitland or Weezer, those kind of the top teams from the other side. But um, we think we're, we're right there with the rest of the teams in the state. So hopefully we can get qualified and, and go show that. So. Yeah, Marsh Valley is kind of like Sugar. They, Sugar's got three or four Harrises. In Marsh Valley, it's all Howells. Right, yeah. Yeah, Kent Howell is the head coach. So um, it's nice that you're able to see some of the District 5 teams and even some of the District 4 and maybe even District 3 teams. The one area that nobody ever gets to see is District 1 and 2 up north, and that's where um, the play-in game comes into effect for the 3A tournament. The runner-up from your district will play the runner-up from District 1 and 2. Uh, I have that right? No, we no? actually play – we get a quarter bid. Quarter. We oh, actually, oh, yes. Okay. So we play the runner-up from District 5, and then the winner of that game plays the runner-up from District 4 for a play-in game there. So okay. that's kind of how our play inside works. Yeah, I must have been. I must have been looking at the uh, a different classification level uh, yeah. for the playing game. So okay, but knowing that it's a quarter bid, you got to really fight your way to get into state. So how important is it to just take care of business and win the district tournament? Yeah, for sure. You know, we we want to try to win these two and not have to worry about those playing games. Those playing games, you know, anything can happen there. So. Uh, it is. It's really important for us to be focused and ready to go on on Thursday and and try to take take care of business and and get to there and just be the top seed out of District Six. So that's kind of our goal going into this week. You've kind of mentioned it throughout the interview, but but again, keys to the to the game. If you want to take two from Sugar Salem and win the district title, what what does your team have to do well in order to be successful? I think it starts with our pitching. I think our pitching is going to have to have to be on point. Um, and, and definitely limit our walks and, and limit the runs that they're scoring. But offensively, it's going to come into – my light turned off there. <laughs> um, offensively, it's definitely going to come down to key hits. You know, we've, we've been good at getting guys on base. We, we've kind of struggled with driving runs in this year. So it's going to come those big two-out base hits with a guy on second base, you know, and driving in runs and, and getting guys on in front of our – our RBI guys, you know, and so I think offensively it's going to be the key this year or this week and, and taking care of business with sugar. So. Chad Hill, head baseball coach at South Fremont high school. Thank you for taking a little, little bit of time to join us. Best of luck. And hopefully we're talking to you again here as we're uh, gearing up for the state three, a tournament. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Once again, that was South Fremont baseball coach, Chad Hill. Thanks for joining us here on the Idaho sports.com prep cast. So, 
The Sugar Salem Diggers and the South Fremont Cougars met up in a best-of-three game championship series to decide the district title. They played the first two games on Thursday, and if necessary, the third game would be on Saturday. Well, it is necessary, yes. That third game will be played on Saturday because they earned a split. South Fremont won the first game on Thursday 5 to nothing. Sugar Salem got revenge in the second game of the doubleheader with their season on the line potentially. The Diggers came back and won 8 to 4. And so now it all sets up a winner take all showdown on Saturday. And it'll be a fan- should be a good one. Sugar Salem against South Fremont winner gets an automatic place at state. The loser would have to win not one but two separate play-in games to earn their spot at the Class 3A State Baseball Tournament. Let's shift gears now. We'll switch to uh, from the baseball diamond out to the track. We're going to talk to Capitol High track and field coach Brian Stith up next here on the IdahoSports.com PrepCast. Joined now on the IdahoSports.com PrepCast by Brian Stith, head track and field coach at Capitol High School. Brian, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. So how many years have you been uh, coaching track and field at Capitol High? Uh, I've been there for 21 years. 21 years? You look good for 21 years in the public education system. I don't teach, so maybe that helps me uh, keep my longevity. I I work for an engineering firm here in Boise, but uh, I'm an alum of Capitol, and uh, I was trying to still train a little bit after college, and um, my former head coach at Capitol was the head coach at the time in, in, in 2001, and he said, hey, if you're going to be out here training, you know, help the kids. And that started it. And so, yeah, about, a, about a month ago, I got to talk to uh, Blas Teleria, the new boys basketball coach at Capitol, and he's a Capitol guy, too. It's always exciting to see those former Capitol High athletes take over as coaches. What, what does it mean to, to be able to continue that tradition? I, it's really important. I think it are especially I think it's my a generational thing. I think my generation sees it as something that's it kind of giving back, um, trying to provide a legacy and try to continue some of the foundations that you were taught as a, as an athlete from your coaches. Uh, I think Blaz and I both have, um, even though he's a little bit older than me, we both have people who taught us very similar. Um, you know, we both played for Steve Vogel. We both played basketball for Chuck Henry. Um, you know, and we're capital guys. Like there's, there's some people who, ah, high school's not that important. I'm more of a college guy. Um, Blaz and I are big capital high. We're golden Eagles through and through. So um, I think, it, I think it helps. I think it helps a lot. I, I can share personal experiences with the kids um, about what it was like for me to be an athlete at capital high. And um, it, it's funny, my staff <laughs> uh, has, um, was there, there's three of us, four of us four of us that are all alums of Capitol on my staff. So, uh, or five of us, pardon me. There's five of us now. So it's easier. I think it's easier. You can get you coaches care more when they're coaching for their alma mater. And, uh, there's a, it's easy to, to gap that separation, even though we have different ages. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your coaching staff. Who do you have helping out? Um, so longest tenured uh, coaches I have are John Doherty's been with me. Uh, he's at 21 years too. We both started coaching the same year. Um, he's my distance coach, and he's also our head cross-country coach at Capitol. Um, great guy. Um, ran at Clemson in college and then made his way back west because he he, didn't, he went to a, a Ben Community College or, or Central Oregon. I can't remember. One of the community colleges in Ben. I think it was Ben Community College is where he went. And then he ended up at Clemson, and he just loved the Northwest, so he got back 
on the Northwest. Um, fantastic guy. Todd Simmons, head football coach, uh, started coaching with him in 2005. Um, awesome, obviously. You know, he's one of the most well-known football coaches in the state of Idaho. So having Todd on my staff, and he's an, he's an amazing mentor um, for me. Um, I can go to him when I need some help. Uh, he's been coaching longer than I have, and uh, his rapport with the kids is phenomenal. The way he can talk with kids, the way he can motivate. Um, and then when it comes to some more head coaching problems that I have, I know who I can go to because Todd, Todd has this pretty good solution normally. Um, the rest of my staff has uh, been with me for either I've coached them for a long time or they've been with me for a long time um, just through our relationships. Um, Casey Covington's my long and triple jump coach. Um, obviously, for anybody who knows anything about track and field, he's the most decorated horizontal jumper in the history of our state. He was an All-American triple jump. Um, you know, he's no one's jumped 52 feet in the state of Idaho except for him. Um, you know, he, he's jumped almost 50 feet at the state meet. So um, he came back after his stint at UW and wanted to coach. And um, where else but his alma mater? So uh, it's great to have him. Uh, I've got Andrew Blazers, my pole vault coach. Um, people, a lot of people know who he is. Um, probably one of the best track athletes ever at the University of Idaho. Um, I think one year he won the male WAC athlete of the year. He beat out uh, Colin Kaepernick and Kellen Moore for male athlete of the year. Um, he broke some crazy record about total points scored at the WAC outdoor track and field meet. So I think that's what got him the, 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 the win there. Um, and he's a professional, professional skeleton racer as well. Um, so he does that. He's trying to make the Olympics next uh, winter. But he's on my staff, and I coached him. Uh, he went to Meridian High, but I coached him through YMCA Team Idaho, the Junior Olympic team. Um, so we've had a great relationship. Um, my two throws coaches are Frank Rome, who was the head coach before me, and uh, Rob Vine, who was our O-line coach. Um, Amy Siasio is one of our other hurdle coaches. She helps with Todd, and um, she's a teacher at Capitol, and she does a great job. And she was a collegiate track athlete and a hurdler and a jumper, so she understands a lot of the different events. Um, Christy King is my assistant coach. She graduated in 2010 with Kaysen. She was one of my athletes. Um, ran uh, NAIA at uh, Warner Pacific over in Portland. And um, I needed a new sprint coach a couple of years ago. And she was ready to jump on board. Um, and then uh, I'd be amiss not to mention, I have Dee Harris on my staff, who's one of the greatest track athletes in the history of the state of Idaho. Um, Dee had like three state records at one point. Um, he still has the high hurdle record, but he's my high jump coach. I mean, he was a pretty talented decathlete at Stanford in college. And um, I've been coaching with Didi for 17 years um, through the Junior Olympic program with Team Idaho. And then uh, he started coaching with me at Cal about seven years ago. So um, I've got a, I've got a really good staff and we're proud of what we do. Um, Didi's also an alum. Didi graduated from Capitol in the mid 80s. Um, so we do it. We, we, we believe in what we do as far as our alums um, and the longevity with my staff, obviously with the relationship I have with Todd, um, I've known him for 17 years now, and, and John, 21 years, um, and then Frank too. Frank was Frank. I've known Frank since I started. In fact, Frank Frank was a teacher in the hallways when I was a student at Capitol, so I've known Frank a long time. That is a loaded coaching staff. Now I remember when I was in high school and I was a teenager, and you're like, whatever, coach doesn't know what he's talking about. I know, I know better than coach, right? Sometimes you get that, but you've got some really powerful names that have achieved greatness at, at the highest levels how mm -hmm. how much cachet how much how much street cred does that give your coaching staff with with these athletes i think it helps i think it helps um i think sometimes they look at myself or darren 
Um, you know, Darren and we, we've aged. We can't do what we used to do. I, I, Ten years ago, I was still jump. I'd jump with the kids in practice. You know, I, when when Kaysen was growing up, I would show him how to do stuff um, through repetitions. Um, same thing with Blazer when he was with Team Idaho. Um, I think sometimes it's it's good for them to know what we've done or what we did. Um, Kaysen still, Kaysen and Andrew are still young, and so is Christy, so they can show kids. Um, they're still physically capable of doing what they need to do. Um, and, it's, and it's funny, like, you know, John Doherty's my oldest coach, but he was an all-conference in the ACC at Clemson. I mean, he's probably, between him and Case, and they've probably got some of the strongest collegiate accolades, and no one would know that John was a superstar in the 10K So um, just by looking at him. Um, but I, did, I, I think it allows street cred, but I think it also allows us to tell stories. I think the, the biggest way to get kids to believe that coaches are going to lead them to success is by sharing a narrative with them and then being able to say, hey, I was here. I went to this school. I went through the hallways. Um, you know, we know what it's like. We know what it's like to go through and be a high school athlete. And if you're, you have collegiate aspirations, we know what it's going to be like for you to go through those motions in college. What, what, what's going to happen? Because some kids, they just don't know. They don't know. They think college is going to be a lot like high school. And as anybody who was a, no matter what level that, any type of collegiate athlete knows, college sports are way different than high school sports. Um, the pressure is greater. The accountability and discipline is greater. And uh, I, I think that's one thing that really helps us. And over the years, you may know that we've had some really successful collegiate kids go on to be collegiates. Sam breaks you right now. You know, being the number one guy in the West in the high hurdles at Washington State. Um, I think our mentorship to them um, as they're growing up through high school can prepare them to be successful in college. That's a great transition because the latest to uh, make that transition from Capitol High to big time college level is going to be Megan Rose. She is going to the University of Utah, which is very exciting. Pac-12 program. And you look at the short sprints in, in the 5A leaderboard and she's right there at the top or right within striking distance. What's it like to coach an athlete like Megan Rose? Well, I think when you get someone when they're freshmen, you, you kind of say, OK, what do we have? What are their genetic makeup? What talents do they have? And I, I will say this. In high school, you can make a good 200-meter sprinter. You can make a good 400-meter sprinter. But the 100-meter sprinter, someone who's really talented like Megan is, I mean, she, like, let's be honest, she's eight hundredths of a second away from the state meet record. There's only two girls that have ever ran sub-12 before in the state. They didn't count as records because the wind was illegal. 100-meter sprinters are born. You don't make them. It's just period. You just can't. Um, not at that level. Not at level when we're talking about girls that can run, you know, maybe 11, 9, 11, 8. That's genetics. And you just have to keep them healthy and then you have to let them be fast. It, it, they're cheetahs. They're not workhorses. They're not, you know, they're, they're not somebody who's, they're not thoroughbreds. They're cheetahs. They want to run fast all the time. And if you ask her, how do you run races? All out. She tells me that all the time. How are you going to run this race? She goes, I'm, gonna, I'm cruising. You know I am. She goes, I don't ever not run a race all out, whether it's the 100 or the 200. So um, I think the biggest thing for me is health. Um, I do everything I can with my sprinters, with my team in general, is to keep kids healthy. That's our number one focus. We're not focused on times at all. We focus on PRs because track and field is a high-performance sport. 
It's not like basketball. You can you can sprain an ankle. You can get a little dinged up in a basketball game, football. You hear stories about kids playing football with, you know, maybe a cracked fibula because it's non weight bearing, you know, boys playing the rest of their offensive, you know, op their offensive line career with a torn ACL. You hear about it. That, that doesn't happen in track and field. So at a high performance sport, my main goal is to make sure all of my athletes are as healthy as possible. And we stay healthy because we need to be at 98% or better to do great things. Yeah. I like how you talk about focusing on PRs at each meet, because I see it so often where right out of the gate, first meet of the season, a kid will have a great distance or a great time and just everyone opens their eyes and goes, wow, what a performance. And then they never meet that mark again, the rest of the season. How, how do you, how do you coach your athletes to make sure that they're consistently getting better and not hitting that plateau? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with our exercise physiology program, the way that we go about approaching the season. Um, it's definitely not an old school approach. It's more of a new school approach. Um, I don't believe in training long intervals to short intervals. And I don't believe in short training short intervals to long intervals. Um, our climate doesn't allow us to do fast stuff early in the year. Um, so I have a couple mentors that I walked them through. They We talked about Idaho's climate and Boise's climate. And so the way we train, we train power to speed. We don't worry about race distances so much. Obviously in the 400, you have to worry about race distance. You have to, there's so many energy systems in the 400 that you have to teach the body to overcome what it takes to run a great 400. But honestly, if you're looking at the 100 and the 200, if you're looking at a really fast girl, you need to run 13 seconds or faster. That's it, 13 seconds. If you look at a really fast girl in the 200, 26 seconds, 27 seconds. That's all you need to teach them how to run. So it's not about fitness as opposed to learning how to create power and then turning that power into speed. And I think with the way that we train that um, and the way we go about programming our season, it does allow our kids to PR. And like, if you look at Megan's season, she started and I, and almost besides running into a headwind, which we've had a couple of times this year um, when she's had a fair wind, I think she's PR at every race or she's had a season better run every time she's ran with a, with a favoring wind. Um, and that's important. It's important to be able to do that. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to watch her and Angelica Chapman from Lake City going head to head in those in those short sprints, the one and the two. An another girl who has uh, written the record or rewritten the record books this year is your pole vaulter, Lizzie yeah. Ramey. Tell me a little bit about her. What a what a worker! I, I you you have to meet her and get to know her personality. Um, she didn't even do sports before high school. Um, she'll, she, she'll admit that she was not quite the most fitness motivated junior high athlete. And, uh, she decided she was going to take better care of her body going into, in the ninth grade, she started doing hikes and going up in the trails and going for some runs. Well, then she joined our cross country team. Um, and we found out that, uh, she had a gymnastics background and we also found out that her two aunts are CrossFit superstars um her one aunt uh darcy that i went to school with actually is was one of the best crossfit athletes, female athletes in the entire state of arizona um and so she got into crossfit at a young age and if you see lizzie i mean i've never coached a girl pound for pound that can lift as much weight as she can she is phenomenal she's you know five foot five weighs about 125 pounds but she can squat 260 
and she can power clean probably 185 pounds and she's just a workhorse. And when we knew that she had all those talents, we're like, Hmm, ever thought about pole vault? And she's like, I'll try it. Next thing we know, she loves it. Stacy Dragila has her pole vault facility right down the hill from Capitol. Uh, she got involved with Stacy and you know, if you've got the talent to become get, you know, if you can get inverted in the pole vault and you can get fast and you have a gymnastics background, next thing you know, you're a good pole vaulter. And so that's what, that's what Lizzie's story is. She, she got involved with Capital Athletics. She wanted to pole vault. We introduced, she got introduced to Stacy. Stacy really helped her um, grow in her craft. Um, obviously when you're getting coached by someone who's got an Olympic gold medal, things aren't going to be too bad. And, uh, and then couple that with Blazer being a great pole vault coach and he was a great pole vaulter in, in college. Um, and he communicates with Stacy really, really well. And so the two of them together between what Lizzie does outside of our season with Stacy and then comes into what we do um, and the transition to Andrew, it just goes really, really well. And, and she's a team player too. That's the cool part about Lizzie. Like she's a, she runs lead leg on her four by one, which has got one of the fastest times in the state. Um, she's, we're going to try her out in the four by two this week. Um, she's willing to do anything. Um, she wants our girls team to be really successful and it shows, like it shows she, she vaults, not just to get another school record herself, but she vaults to make the team better. Like she wants the most for our girls team and you can see it. Yeah. Let's talk about that girls team race. I mean, when you look down the road at the state meet, I, I think the capital girls are right in the mix. Boise high kind of has a stranglehold on those <laughs> mid to long distance races. I really think that's the only hurdle because everything else is kind of spread out amongst all the other teams. Where, where do you see the capital high girls fitting in? Um, I, I think we got a shot. I think we got a shot. We need to do some things that are, um, are important at the end of the year. You know, they always say district and state cream rises to the top. And, um, We've got to find out who wants to help us achieve some greatness. Um, I think we do some things in the jumps and uh, the throws that are really good um, late in the year. I think we, we have a way of teaching kids to peak and to um, be at their best when it counts. Um, obviously, we've got a really good sprinter in Megan, and our relays are dependent on her. Um, the but we also have girls that are stepping up to the plate right now to help her in those relays. Um, like I said, with Lizzie and I've got two other senior girls that are part of that four by one. I have four seniors on my four by one and they look at their rankings right now. We haven't had a great race against anybody since we were against Boise high. And uh, if we look at it, we think we can, we think our girls team can run fast enough to be the state champs in the four by one um, helps having the fastest girl in the state on the backstretch. I'll tell you what, when she's running second, and she gets to run that flying backstretch and hand it off at a fast speed to our third runner. Um, it helps. It helps. And uh, I, I think you're right on the Boise girls team. We've had, we've got a couple of jokes that would, the only way I think Boise high girls aren't winning state is if Thanos snaps his fingers. <laughs> so uh, uh, I, 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 that whole staff over there, I know a lot of them really well. Um, what a great job they've done. And what an unbelievably this ridiculous collection of talent. And, and we, you know, if you look at it right now, it looks like Boise High is going to score 140 points at the state meet. Um, and maybe it's going to take 75 to get second. I mean, they're going to win by so much that uh, we like, we like our chances, but again, there's other teams that have really good opportunities to get in a trophy. 
I think the Timberland girls look really good on paper. Um, you know, Ty's doing a good job. He's got two of the faster 800 meter runners in the state. He's got, uh, you know, Brooke Rolden's doing an amazing job in the 400. Um, he's got some jumpers. Uh, Timberline's going to be tough. Um, then you look at uh, Rocky. I think Rocky's got some talent over there. Um, I think they're in the mix. I think Eagle High's got some talent um, with Lizzie Dildine leading the way. And, uh, and then you got to watch out for Lake City um, with Chapman. And she's just like Megan, right? Um, I've got a one, two in Megan. They've got a two, four in Chapman. And uh, I don't. I don't run Megan in the floor for a reason. First of all, she hates it. <laughs> I don't, I don't think anybody likes the floor. On oh no. The ones that, the ones that are good at it, they love it. They love it. <laughs> they love it. I've got a couple of boys that are, that they, they live and die to run the floor. They love it. They love the feeling of that. It's the hardest race in, in high school. It is. It's not in college. I think the 400 hurdles is harder, obviously. Um, but I think in high school, the 400, the 400 meter dash ran well, ran well is the hardest race. And, um, when you're good at it, that self-satisfaction of accomplishing something that's really hard. It is really hard. The 400's a, a beast. Um, but I, it's going to be fun. And don't and don't for a second think that Kyla Palmer from Rocky Mountain is not going to be in the mix there in the two. Um, the Whoever runs, I'm going to tell you this, all three girls are probably going to run sub-25 seconds at state. Um, you've, got, you've got two that run different. You know, Megan's a speed demon. You know, she's going to she's going to get out fast and she's going to just go. Um, those other two are strong. They're strong. But Chapman, Palmer and Rose is going to be one heck of a 200 meter race at the state meet. And, and the question for Lake City is, are they going to put Chapman in the open one? It's really hard to come back from that 400 and run that open one. Or are they going to put her somewhere else? Um, I'd love to see them put Angelica there. I really would, because that gives Megan someone else to race because you cannot break a state record on your own. Dallas Burroughs had Nick Bones. You know, there are things that are important when you're trying to, to go and reach a great success um, and you need someone to push you there. And we need someone there in the hunter to help Megan get that sub 12 time. And then we need the wind to be right. You know, the last two girls that broke that state record, unfortunately, the wind was illegal and uh, we need to have a health, a, a, a true win. We need to have a legal win or even just a, a small, tiny legal, illegal or legal headwind. Uh, which would still be the mine. I think Megan can run sub 12, even with a, you know, two or three mile an hour headwind. I still think she'll be able to run that fast. So, um, but everything's got to happen. And it's got to line up the right way. But uh, I like her chances. I mean, I think she's definitely going to run faster in the next two to three weeks. Um, and uh, as she goes, our girls team will go. Absolutely. Real quick, uh, give us a couple of uh, Capital High boys that we should keep an eye on as we get to districts and state. Um, I definitely, my two senior boys, um, they're having pretty good seasons. Justice Del Rio, he's one of the better long jumpers in the state. Um, he's doing some really good things right now. He, he just got back. He took a, um, 10 day, 10 day hiatus to go see his uh, family in Hawaii. He hasn't seen him, his grandma, I think for over like two years. So, um, I was sending him workouts and he was doing them the whole time he was over there and then came back, had a great practice Monday, had an amazing practice Tuesday. Um, I think he can jump 23 feet in the long jump. We'll see if he can do it or not. Um, he's a great triple jumper. He's going to run on one of my relays. Um, and then Coyote Zimmerman that's going to College of Idaho for a soccer track combo scholarship. Um, he's one of the better triple jumpers in the state. And then uh, he's been running on my 4 by 4 that I think has got a chance of maybe making it to the state meet. So those are my two guys there um, that are doing really, really well. Um, they're leading the way. And 
uh, you know, last year really crushed us on the boys' side. Um, after the first meet of the year, obviously all of us only got the one meet in. Um, Capital led seven events in 5A after the first meet of the year. And unfortunately, I lost all those boys. You know, I lost I lost 12 seniors that had all gone to state there before. So this is a big rebuilding year for us. But um, we'll have some kids do some things. We got some nice relays for the boys team. Um, obviously, those two jumpers. Uh, I think I've got a couple 400-meter runners that might got a chance of making it to state. Um, Connor Christie's doing a really good job. Um, and again, how well does he run these next two weeks? Right. It doesn't matter what you've done all year. Um, we have a saying at Capital. May matters. I've been saying it for a long time. May matters. We don't have anything that we do in the state that automatically gets us to the state meet. We don't have automatic qualifying distances or times. And so what you do at the district meet determines whether you go to state or not. Um, tomorrow's our first championship meet. The city championship meets the first true championship meet. And with the way things have been this year, with dual meets only for the Boise schools, we haven't seen a big track meet yet. So tomorrow's going to be exciting. We get to go against four other schools. Um, it's awesome. The, the Timberline girls and the Boise girls and the Boise boys. I mean, I, Boise boys have got a great chance of getting some hardware on the, on the t- boys team side. Um, and so do the Bora boys. And so um, you, you put all those together and then we add an old BK who's, the, you know, everybody knows they're the powerhouse of track in 4A. Um, you know, They've got James Onambosi and Paige Tkip, but man, what what a what a fun meet it's going to be tomorrow for the Boise City Championship, and um, and then you throw in the Timberline girls, it's like holy cow, what a, it's going to be a great track meet. It's going to be a great track meet tomorrow, but um, we got to find out next two weeks which kids are ready to rock and roll and which ones aren't. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be watching with with an interested eye. Brian Stith, head track and field coach at Capitol High. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us, and and best of luck here over the final stretch run. Yeah, Brandon, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, go Eagles. Brian Stith, the head track and field coach at Capitol High School, joining us there. And I got to be honest, the conversation was so smooth and easygoing. I looked up and all of a sudden, like 20 minutes had expired. Usually I try to keep these interviews uh, between 10 and 15 minutes because I know these coaches are incredibly busy and we're certainly grateful that they're able to squeeze us into their tight schedules. Yeah, I looked up and all of a sudden it was like 20 minutes talking to Coach Stith. And honestly, I could have talked for 20 more. Uh, He is just an encyclopedia of Idaho high school and college uh, track and field history and also I mean you can tell he's been coaching a long time and he's pretty much seen it all and so it'll be fantastic to watch how Capital does at the uh, district and state track and field meets coming up in just a little bit uh, so needless to say we, we ran long again today here on the prep cast we try to keep it to about 30 minutes get you in and out and ready for the next week of high school sports activities uh, want to thank Steve's hometown Toyota in Ontario big sponsor of the prep cast for the 18th straight year Steve's hometown Toyota was named Toyota's President's Award winner for outstanding customer service. Don't forget to check out Steve's hometown Chevrolet, Buick GMC in Fruitland, and Steve's hometown Motors in Weezer. The Steve's hometown dealerships, proud to support the hometown student-athletes as sponsor of the PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Well, we are off and running into the postseason again. District brackets will uh, be updated. They're already up on our website, IdahoSports.com, and we will update those every single night as we get closer and closer to state tournament time. That's for softball and baseball. With that said, we are going to take a break. We're going to take a little hiatus here on the IdahoSports.com PrepCast. Uh, no no PrepCast for next week. Uh, we're going to take the week off and then come at you really fast and furious 
two weeks from now because that's when we will get into the state track and field championships, the state softball tournaments, and the state baseball tournaments. The plan for right now is uh, to have a state preview for all three of those sports, uh, not just here on the PrepCast, but we'll do it live as well on our YouTube channel and our IdahoSports.com Facebook page. And that's where you as fans can join us live as we break down these state competitions and uh, give us your feedback. If you want us to talk about a particular team or a particular athlete, or you just want to give somebody a shout out, we'll we'll read your comments on the air. So uh, it's going to be Monday tentatively uh, as we take a week off and then we'll be back in two weeks tentatively monday the 17th our state track and field previews we're going 5a all the way down to 1a athletes to keep an eye on team races to keep an eye on tuesday may 18th a state softball preview we will talk 5a to 1a break down all the softball tournaments and tell you you know who's in contention for titles there and then on wednesday May 19th, we will bring you our state baseball tournament breakdown. We'll have the play-by-play announcers that are going to be broadcasting for IdahoSports.com, and we'll talk about all the state baseball action going on as well. So no PrepCast next week, and then three live editions of the PrepCast the following week. May 17th, state track and field preview. May 18th, state softball preview. And May 19th, state baseball preview. And then state actually starts on Thursday the 20th for softball and baseball. And again, uh, IdahoSports.com will be broadcasting every single pitch from the Idaho 2021 high school state baseball tournaments, 5A all the way down to 1A. So uh, stay tuned for that. Lots of exciting things still in the works here at IdahoSports.com. For now, though, thanks for listening to the PrepCast presented by Steve's Hometown Toyota. We'll see you in two weeks for the live show. Thanks for listening.